Today's podcast is the culmination of a whole bunch of conversations that I have had with people over the years, whether in person or online, or whether those people are my students. Everybody seems to get stuck on how and where to allocate their education dollars in their business. So learning is an ongoing process for anyone in business, especially as an entrepreneur, and Every year, I sit down and I create an education budget, and then I look to find the things that I want to learn about. But what kind of format do I want to use to learn those things? Do I want to take online classes? Do I want to try and find an in-person class? Is it something that I need one-on-one mentoring for? Or is it something that perhaps I could find in just a book or in an online forum, uh, possibly even for free? Those things can be really overwhelming, especially when you're new, but sometimes even more so as you move on in your business and the resources for more established photographers can become less and less easy to find. But I didn't want to just record my thoughts on this topic, and I wasn't sure who to interview about it. And then it occurred to me (laughs) that the two women with whom I spend tons of time talking about, thinking about, brainstorming about photography education are Kate Thompson and Posey Quarterman, the two women with whom I co-founded The Family Narrative. So today, what you're going to hear is just a casual discussion among the three of us about our own personal experiences with photography education, both good and bad, and some of the recommendations that we have for people as they're making their own decisions about how and where to spend their money in education in photography. Before I let you listen in on that conversation, I just wanted to point out that over the course of this conversation, we mentioned the family narrative several times, both our annual conference that's held every spring, as well as our ongoing online membership program called TFN Together. If you're interested in finding out more about either of those things, you can find all the information you need to know at thefamilynarrative.com. And if you happen to be listening to this in September of 2020, when this episode is released, now would be a really good time to check it out. We've got some exciting things that are available right now, but only for a short period of time. With that, I will let you get on to the episode. Welcome to This Can't Be That Hard. My name is Anami Tonkin, and I help photographers run profitable, sustainable businesses that they love. Each week on the podcast, I cover simple, actionable strategies and systems that photographers at every level of experience can use to earn more money in a more sustainable way. Running a photography business doesn't have to be that hard. You can do it, and I can show you how. Hey guys, how are you today? Hi. Hi. How are you is kind of a comp a tough question these days. It is a tough question these days, but, um, but I'm really excited to have you guys on here. Like I said before, um, the intro, I, uh, have invited my dear friends, Kate and Posey onto the podcast because I initially wanted to talk about the concept of like how to decide on how you allocate your education spending. Um, in your business, because I think that that's kind of a tough thing. And a lot of people sort of feel their way forward on that. And I just figured instead of me spouting off at the mouth, I could bring the two women with whom I do a lot of education (laughs) onto the podcast. Cause I feel like this is one of those things that like, especially for the newer listeners, um, all the information out there, all the education out there, it can be really 
overwhelming. And so having other people and their experiences and, um, and that advice, I think can be really valuable. So thanks for coming on you guys. Yeah. Thanks for having us. Yay. Um, so I figured I would start out, um, by telling a little bit, a lot of people know the story of how the three of us found each other, but, um, do one of you guys want to jump in and sort of tell, <laughs> I feel like it's a good cautionary tale, like how the family narrative got started. Um, and, uh, I mean, I could tell it, but I think one of you guys should jump in. People hear my voice too much on here. Posey, I feel like you always <laughs> I knew tell you this were gonna... one the best. All right. <laughs> I'll take it. Um, so I had met Kate at a photography conference previously and had followed her on Instagram, um, and I had not met Anami. Um, but I was teaching at a photography conference, and Kate and Anami took my class. And um, at that conference, you could pay extra to hang out with teachers. Um, that's the joke always for me, is that these two had to pay to become my friends. Um <laughs> You could pay a little extra to like have some one-on-one -on -one time with teachers and they did. And we sat on the floor of my cabin, I believe, and drank beers and um, had a talk about the industry, uh, the conference industry and what we found frustrating about it. And we were all a little frustrated that I was one of a few family photographers at this huge conference um, that was mainly geared towards wedding and commercial photographers, and that it was really hard to find substantive, substantive education for family photographers at that time. Um, everything felt very fluffy. And so, you know, we drank our beers and came up with a dream conference sort of just by way of like, oh, I wish there was this out there. Oh, I wish there was this out there. And Kate said something about how she'd always wanted to start a feminist photography workshop or something. I don't even remember that. And I know the I know New Orleans got brought up. Uh, and when we left, I couldn't stop thinking about it. And so we, I emailed these ladies and we got on the phone and said, why not just try it? And I think we met in March and then we got together in June. And we launched in person, it which is even more impressive. Person. Right, because I'm on the West Coast. Yeah. Yeah. And then we got together and we made it happen by the following March. We basically launched it that fall. Nobody knew who we were. You know, we didn't know what I we were doing. I still can't believe we did that. And I remember so vividly, like, sitting in that restaurant here in Richmond and, like, eating oysters and looking up Airbnbs that could potentially fit a group of people in New Orleans. And I remember calling or emailing you guys, like, I, we should pull up that, that first email, like, Hey, let's do this thing. Cause I remember being like, yeah, we're going to do this. And then thinking there's no fucking way this is actually going to happen. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I know I it really that. is. I mean, it, it's obviously one of those things where like, we had no idea what we were getting into. And if we did, we probably wouldn't have done <laughs> So I'm glad. Not true. I mean, no, 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 no. I'm so happy with the outcome, but the amount of work, especially that first year when like <laughs> oh no one knew who we were, the concept was untested. It was like we were putting our own money on the line. Like, we literally didn't know what was going to happen the, no. when we showed up. I remember how like sick with anxiety I felt that first 
like the day before it. So oh yeah. Yeah. We had and no we fully idea. bootstrapped that. Like we didn't run ads. We didn't do anything. It was, uh, that it was, was all word of mouth. And I think we sold out the first year. I mean, eventually, we kept it yeah. small, but yeah, but yeah, Crazy. the rest is history. Yeah. Um, well, the reason that I bring that story up and the sort of the reason that I brought you guys on to talk about this was that I, you know, part of that was the part where the reason that we came up with this other idea was because of our frustration with what we had personally experienced. So specifically, it was the fact that at that time, and this was back in 2016, there was so little that was out there in terms of an actual conference for family photographers. And what was out there at the time, um, not to, you know, poo-poo too much other stuff, but like there was a lot of like, um, what's the word I'm looking for? It was almost mom like tog. Pep, mom tog, pep rally style, like expo. Hey. I felt like everything was very like family photography expo. Yeah. And there wasn't a lot where it was like, okay, we're going to run actual businesses where we make actual money and we're providing an actual service. And instead it was a lot of, um, a lot of fluff. And right. a lot of what we were frustrated with was that family photography was considered an extra, like a thing that people did when they weren't busy with their weddings or like right. people would say at the, at conferences, oh, you're just a family photographer. Cause I didn't shoot anything else. And that just it just bugged me. <laughs> yeah. So one of the things that we were sort of trying to do that first year and that I feel like has become kind of our signature with the family narrative, a lot of conferences, you know, um, teachers apply and they go through these applications and somehow, you know, decide on who to um, ask to be teachers. And I think a lot of just judging from the outside, a lot of conferences, if you're applying to be an instructor at a conference, they want to see that you have a big following. They want to see that you have, um, yeah, a big following is a, you know, that you're one of the cool kids, one of the popular kids so that you will be a big draw. And I feel like from the beginning with the family narrative, we were really intentional about not wanting, first of all, for it to become this, like all the popular kids are the teachers and then everybody else can come pay to literally pay to hang out with them. <laughs> but the, um, so we didn't want to do that, but we also didn't want to assume that the only people whose voices were worth listening to were people who had a million followers on Instagram. So, right. you know, we really, each year we don't accept applications. We seek out teachers that sort of put a bit of a puzzle together. Kate, you want to talk a little bit about that? Yeah, I feel like some of our um, strongest teachers at the Family Narrative over the last few years were people who were taught before. And I think part of that is because, you know, when you first start something, you're kind of hungry and you want to do a really good job. But, you know, having a big following and, um, you know, obviously does not make you a good teacher. I think right. some of the best teachers we've had have been people who have never spoken before and have even responded to our requests with, are you sure? Are you sure you want me? Now, when people say that to us, I'm like, yeah, now I know we want you. <laughs> um, not to say that popularity disqualifies you as a good teacher, because we've had some incredibly down to earth people who were great teachers who are very, very popular. Um, but it's definitely not a priority for us. Right. Because of what we've found. 
For sure. I feel like some of our best teachers have been people who are leaders, even in ways that aren't super obvious and that are, um, they're people who are like very attentive and engaging with their audience who, um, no matter the size, just people who are really good about like responding to um, comments or direct messages and just uh, like genuinely coming from a place of wanting to help the people that they're talking to rather than elevating their own platform. Right. Yeah. Because one of the things that I have experienced, I mean, so many times, especially at conferences, but in other, on other platforms too, is it's almost like, what are we here for? Like, what is, what is your substance? Like, what's the substance of your talk about? Are you really just here to show me a slideshow of your beautiful photos and kind of create this? Like, again, I want to use that pep rally, um, analogy. Cause it's like, feed I, the myth. Yeah. Feed the myth or like, let's talk all about how great I am. And at the very end, maybe I'll give you a couple of tidbits of how to. And so, I mean, I think the three of us are all extremely into, and I think the thing Posey, when Kate and I came to your class and Kate had met you at another conference and had seen you teach. Um, and she was like, yeah, this woman Posey is such a, she's a great teacher. And part of that was the fact that it was very substantive. It was that you were a, like an open book about, you, I mean, you were talking about your family photography process. Um, and then, you know, now Kate and I are also doing education stuff. And I just feel like all three of us are very, um, you know, by the time that somebody finishes learning from us, I, you know, we want all three of us want them to walk away with like, okay, here are the steps to get to where I'm trying to get. And that seems simple. Yeah. <laughs> it seems like that should be the education formula everywhere, but it is right. like surprisingly hard to find sometimes. Right. Um, totally. Uh, have either of you ever taken a class or paid for like, especially, I mean, I feel like I've got stories about online classes that I've signed up for where it got delivered. And I was like, are you kidding me? <laughs> what is this? It has nothing to it, even though maybe it has like a big, um, big name attached to it or something like that. Does anybody have a story to tell about that? Hang on guys. I have a quick message for you. Did you know that This Can't Be That Hard isn't the only podcast I host? Each month, my marketing director, Dana, and I team up to bring you a fresh injection of marketing ideas and inspiration on our other podcast called The Consistency Club. The podcast is free and available to any photographer looking to uplevel their marketing game, or you can take it one step further and join The Consistency Club, where you get the extended version of the podcast along with monthly email and social media templates, bonus trainings, and special access to the live marketing events we host twice a year. If you're interested in tuning in, you can search for and subscribe to The Consistency Club wherever you listen to podcasts. If you'd like to join us in the membership, you can visit go.thiscantbethathard.com slash club to sign up. Yeah, I the first photography conference I ever went to, I was so excited because there were these big names in the industry. And I had been, I think, in business five or six years at that point. Um, and I just remember being disappointed by the people talking about themselves mm -hmm. and not in a helpful way. <laughs> um, and also I remember the few family photographers at that conference I was so excited to learn from because they were people I had followed 
And then they got up and talked about all these things that went wrong in their business or funny stories about things that went wrong at shoots without help for how to avoid that. And I remember sitting in a couple different classes being like, yeah, but if she just did, well, but if you ran your business this way and I, I left one of those classes and walked right up to the organizers and I was like, I should teach a class. And I didn't, nobody knew who I was. I had under a thousand Instagram followers. I had a really strong business in Portland. And that was when that I was like, Oh, you know, you have to sort of take off the rose colored glasses and realize that we're all just people. Yeah. (laughs) The popular kids aren't necessarily better photographers or definitely not better teachers. And I had to, I had to realize that I, I knew what I was doing (laughs) and I was running a really strong business. And so maybe I had something to offer. Yeah. And that led me to you guys. Yeah. I can't think of any specific stories other than just, yeah, that kind of same as Posey, just multiple presentations at workshops I've been to where it really boiled down to the instructor talking about themselves rather than focusing on their audience and just sort of missing that whole piece of like, why are they there listening to you and what do they want to hear from you? They want to hear how you got to where you are. That's why they're listening. And I think a lot of people when they're teaching forget that whole path of like, yes, it's great that you've built this business and people want to hear from you, but like, what were the steps that led you to that? Um, And I think that gets left out of a lot of um, classes. Yeah. We talk a lot when we're putting together the sort of puzzle of the family narrative teachers about the cult of personality, right? It's like, Sometimes you're absolutely right. We all start at the same place. Like we all come from a place of being new, trying to figure the business out, all that stuff. And it's what people want to hear is the, how did you get from there to where you are now? Whether it has to do with the strength of your business or your social media strategy or your like actual photography skills and techniques. I mean, you know, people are known for different parts of their business, but, um, but it is kind of that, how do you bridge the gap from before to after um, that, that is what is useful to people. So um, yeah. And those kind of stronger personalities teaching in the photo industry sometimes too, I think purposefully avoid talking about that path. Um, I feel like a lot of successful teachers really are kind of like not threatened by other people's success and really genuinely want the best for the people that they're talking to. And um, I I find this a lot. I mean, I, I very much operate on this, like we're all in it together. We don't need to be competitive with one another. There's plenty of work to go around. And when you kind of adopt that mindset, there's really so much to be gained all around. Like there's no point in keeping those secrets from people um, that you're teaching to, in my opinion. Yeah. Yeah, I know. It's like beware the beware the person who feels like their students are their competition. <laughs> they will not yeah. be able to share. Right. Yeah. Right. That's the worst, I think, when people don't want to actually share. It's like, why are you here? <laughs> yeah. I mean, especially I don't know, families, weddings, all of it. Like there's people everywhere. There's so much work to go around. Um I get not wanting to share that look over a free coffee date, but when you're paying someone to teach you like that should all all be out there for sure 
Agreed. A hundred percent. So the thing that actually inspired me to, to have this, like to make this a podcast topic in the first place was um, a, so just to give a little context to our listeners that we are recording this in September of 2020 back in March of 2020, does anybody else, can you think of anything else that happened in March of 2020? Just kidding. Um, the, we launched um, TFN Together. So that's our me- the membership portion of the family narrative. So the family narrative for the past four years has been an annual conference. And now we have the annual conference plus a membership. Um, and when we were putting the membership together, um, we were trying to come up with how uh, the different components were going to work. and completely separately, I was signed up for a class that it was actually a membership, a a different membership. Um, It was a business membership that I um, was paying a lot of money for. It was, I think it was around $250 a month. And um, I had just signed up for it shortly before we launched TFN together. And within the first couple of days of being part of that membership, which I have since quit. Um, I did it for like four or five months, but so, you know, I was $1,250, let's say in on this membership. And I really only, I didn't, unfortunately, like I didn't have a lot of time with COVID and everything else to be participating in that membership as much as I anticipated. Those things happen all the time. But at the very beginning of that membership, I got one idea that we ended up turning into a thing for TFN together, which was the concept of accountability groups in that membership. We had these accountability groups and I was like, Oh, this is a great thing that I think would add a lot of value for our members. So I don't know if you guys remember, but that was a pretty last minute add into Mm -hmm. TFN together. We put it in, in the last week or so, um, put together that concept and, and built it into, um, what we offered right from the beginning. And it turned out we just got back our survey results from this um, survey that we did with our members. And that has been one of the most popular parts of the membership so far. So $1,250 spent on that membership for this one idea that has kept our members happier, whatever, and then theoretically has kept them coming back. I look at that as a perfect example of how Sometimes when it comes to education, you have to go, especially like business education or art education, obviously you have an objective. Like I want to learn, I don't know, social media. Um, And so you find a class that's going to be good for social media or you think it's going to be good, but it's so important to go into that with like an open mind and an open heart about what you might pick up. Because as I have seen over and over in my own educational experience, that sometimes it's a thing that you're expecting, oftentimes it's a thing you're not expecting, but if one idea or like tidbit from a class or a membership or a conference really takes hold and makes a difference, it can be a total game changer. Um, I don't know if you guys have had that experience in your own educational lives, but like I feel like those things are usually the bigger things for me than like the overall thing that you take away from, from any one given source. Totally. And one thing that came to mind just now when you were talking about accountability groups and when you asked us, you know, can you give an example of 
a workshop you attended or a class you took where it didn't quite pan out or wasn't beneficial to you. I have taken a few courses that didn't have a piece that involved connecting with other people. And I think for those reasons, I really struggled with it because it was like, oh, well, if it's just a, hand, a handful of PDFs, I'm going to put it off and do it eventually. So without that accountability, or at least without having that motivation of like working through something with another person or, you know, going through a series and a course with another group at the same time, I think those pieces can get lost on me pretty easily. Um, yeah. But yeah, I totally agree. I think, I, I mean, I, I can think of many instances in the last five or 10 years of doing photography where like one tip or one takeaway from a class has made the entire thing worthwhile. Yeah. Um, whether it's like a person I met doing that thing or just a business tip that I learned, I can trace so many things back to like one interaction or one little piece of advice. Yeah. For, for me, and I think this is one of the, I know this is one of the motivating factors for how we run TFN. Um, it's almost always been, or it was prior to creating TFN anyway, people I met at conferences. So that goes off of what Kate was just saying, really. Um, I mean, honestly, like probably the biggest takeaway I've ever had from a class was my class that I was teaching when Anami called me out in front of, actually, I don't think you called me out. You asked me how much I charged while I was teaching and then told me later how much you made um, and how you did your pricing. And it was like through, I mean, that I rem I'll never forget that moment, but then it was through that, like our friendship and you, I think before you ever taught pricing at TFN, I was implementing the way you do your pricing because you talked me through it. But it was that relationship was a huge game changer for the way I run my business. And always the takeaways for me were the friends I made and the people I met at conferences. And I, I mean, when we did, when we started building TFN, that was always community and time for people to spend together was always, you know, at the top of our list because yeah. of that. And as TFN has grown, um, and we've had so much more interest in the conference, but of course the limitations of, you know, we only open 50 spots a year and it's all that other stuff. Like, I feel like we have done, well, it's one of our goals at all times is to foster that community piece because, you know, I mean, we're all <laughs> working independently and so many of us grew our businesses in not a vacuum, but kind of a vacuum. Like, it, you know, Yeah. Um, so to have that kind of group think and hive mind ability to like workshop ideas and all that, it's such a, it's such an important part. And one of the things, you know, it's, it was interesting when we did the survey for TFN together about, um, so the idea for that grew out of our surveys from the family narrative where people were like, oh, I love the family narrative so much. I just wish that I could keep it with me for the whole year instead of just a few days. And so we were like, okay, what if we were to sort of spread the education out, spread the tasks out and keep, keep that accountability and that momentum going over the course of the year. Um, and so it was funny then to have the survey results come back and people say, well, <laughs> not every month is perfectly applicable to my business. Totally understandable. But at the price point that 
you know, that membership is part of, I look at that again as that, like, if you just get one amazing idea in an entire year, <laughs> it's paid for itself easily. Like literally if you booked a single gig, like a single family or a single wedding or whatever, using, or a headshot <laughs> or a headshot, um, using an idea from that, then the whole thing is paid for. And then, you know, obviously our intention is that people get so much more. So I see that as like, yeah, probably not every month is going to be applicable to every person and that's okay because you're also going to have seasons where you're busier and you can't put as much totally. focus on it and all that. But that community and accountability piece, in addition to kind of a, a trickle of ongoing education. Um, well, and not everything, not every month could be quantified like into a financial win. I mean, like mm -hmm. Kate's month that we're walking through right now, to me, is worth the entire year. Yeah. And financially, I know that it will benefit me. Sure. But but Jamie's month, talking about Jamie Thrower, talking about inclusivity and diversity within your portfolio and your language and your emails and your relationships, like, was huge. And that's, totally. that's as important, if not more, you know. Um, and I, I love that we always have this full circle, uh, you know, holistic. Balanced, yeah. Balance, thank you. <laughs> That's the word. I think like that sort of variation on the value is what makes our membership so cool because like, no, well, I wouldn't want to be part of a membership that was teaching about profit alone every month or like the value of networking every single month. Like, I think, you know, when we run these businesses, we wear so many hats and it's important to kind of educate ourselves on all the different areas, all the different hats that we're wearing and all the different things that we're doing um, beyond just like just making money or just improving our websites or marketing. Or um, I think what's so cool about the membership is it offers that really well-rounded set of themes to touch on that, um, are just always evolving and that we're always kind of circling back to in our own businesses. Yeah. And for somebody, I mean, we're all so busy, right. As business owners, like to, to have to come up with that on your own and seek it out. It just doesn't happen. Um, you, <laughs> yeah, that is the nice thing about the membership model in general is that, you know, you can like essentially let somebody else tell you, okay, now we're going to think about this. Now we're going to think about this. And, Again, maybe not all of it is important, but like I said before, I've taken plenty of classes where I thought I was coming to learn A, and the real takeaway was hidden in item C or whatever. Um, and I never would have, I never would have signed up for a class on C. Um, so right, kind of a, a totally. Thing. I kind of think of the membership as like the spine of something, and it just like holds all the other pieces together. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. Also kind of gross. <laughs> <laughs> well, and the some skeleton? of the feedback, <laughs> <laughs> some of the, you sort of alluded to this before on, I mean, but like we launched this in March. And mm -hmm. so the, I mean, this year or since March, it's just been a bummer on so many levels, so many people's lives. Um, but the bummer of that was that we had all these incredible months that some people felt like they just didn't have the bandwidth to get through. Um, and that feedback came through in the survey, but what I, I mean, 
what I love is that it's not gone, right? Like I still have a couple people's months goals and videos downloaded on my desktop. So I won't forget Yeah. to walk through it when I have, you know, more time to myself to think my child goes back to school <laughs> in a building that's not my home. Yeah. And sometimes it's one of those things where it's like, okay, right now is not the right time for me to be focusing on this particular subject, but I know it's going to come up for me in six months right. or a year or whatever. So I'm just going to like hold that in my back pocket and it's there. Totally. Um, I also like the idea, and this kind of comes back to finding a good teacher is so hard. You can think that somebody's going to be a good teacher because you love their photos or whatever, but it's uh, when you make the investment in a course or, you know, you go to do a workshop with somebody or something like that. Oh, man. Oh, I had totally not even thought about um, the, like one of the most frustrating educational stories that I uh, have from my history of photography. I was so excited about this one workshop um, that I bought a ticket for and flew to Texas for and, um, and it was with this portrait photographer and it uh, who I totally like idolized their style. And um, it was so uh, one dimensional, I'll say, like we got to watch that person make photos during which like there were some people kind of shouting out like, hey, what's your aperture right now? But it didn't even. And then there was a lot of like shooting over the shoulder, like they did a whole setup and then. We were supposed to go make photos and I hate shooting in that scenario where there's like 14 photographers trying oh, to take too. a photo. I hate that. Um, and, and I didn't need it. Like it wasn't nothing. I wasn't getting to interact with that. Per that wasn't even what right. we were supposed to be there for. It was supposed to be like, a, there was a lot of lighting, like off camera lighting stuff. Anyway, none of that was explained in any sort of way. It was basically just this cult of personality. Like, let's go watch this person do their work, their magic. I learned nothing. Um, and I ended up writing <laughs> an email to this person and was like, I have to say, I was really disappointed. Da, 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 da. And I spelled it out and I did it really respectfully and all that. Guess who never wrote back? Anyway. Yeah. Now I'm way but off. You topic. learned a lot on me. You learned what doesn't work. <laughs> I know. And that's valuable. <laughs> it is valuable. You probably just wish you didn't pay thousands of dollars for it. Thousands of dollars and stayed in the worst Airbnb I've ever stayed in. <laughs> had a can of Raid on my side table. I kid you not. Oh. Like, oh. <laughs> um, yeah, no, it is important. But what I was going to say from all of that is that uh, having a preview of whether a person is a good teacher or not, or whether it's even maybe it's not even a good teacher, but someone who you can connect with and like you feel like that's the right teaching style for you. So um, yeah, having that like month long dip your toe in the water, get to know that person. And then, you know, maybe down the road you're like, Oh yeah, I want to take another class with them and go deeper on that subject or whatever. I think that's pretty valuable too. Well, um, okay. Before I let you guys go, I wanted to ask you whether you had any specific recommendations since that was what this all came from about finding, um, a class or a teacher, uh, like what, what are some of the markers of a good instructor? If you're, if you are looking to take a class, I tend to ask people I know who know them mm -hmm. 
or have taken their classes. So reading reviews is, I think, very telling. Yeah. I really like uh, newsletters. I think they're kind of, they can be very telling sometimes if they're just Mm -hmm. sort of like plug and chug templates trying to get you to buy something, it's one thing. But if they're thoughtfully written and, and they're, you know, newsletters and free content, like if those things offer value, then anything you pay for is likely to have a lot more. I <laughs> think it's giving away for free. For how photographers run their Instagram. Sorry, I talked over you, Kate. But I think the same, you know, if you're looking at someone and you go and their Instagram just looks like they're selling. Oh, yeah. Or if they're actually talking to you or their clients, you know, how they represent themselves in the world. Totally. Yeah. I think consistency is another big thing for me. Um, I think it's really telling, and this kind of is the same as what both of you were saying, but like if somebody's only showing up in my inbox when they have something to sell, or if they're only kind of active on social media when they have a launch happening or something like that, versus somebody who's just kind of like showing up, doing the work all the time, and they're there whether or not they have like money on the line right that very minute. I think that that um, is a good indicator yeah, as well. Yeah. yeah. As we were having this conversation, I was just thinking about, because a few minutes ago, Nick and I were talking about something related to my accountant. Every year when I sit down and I go <laughs> my books, he's like, did you really spend this much money on professional development? And I'm like, hell yeah, I did. Like every year it's more and more, but every year I'm also making more and more money. Yeah. Because of those things, like I truly feel like I can tie back my profits to how much I invested in like learning how to run a business. And it's always a little embarrassing, but I feel like you don't, you should never get to a point in your career where you're like, oh, I've learned enough. I'm good. I'm just going to coast from here. And, no. uh, you know, in the fact- value of education is just as important, you know, eight years in for me, arguably more important than it was yeah. when I first started. Agreed. And another thing I thought was fun to mention is like another way to invest in your own education as a photographer is to like hire someone else to make photos for you. Oh yeah. Like that's, that's one big thing that I learned over the last handful of years, whether it's like for headshots or family photos, just experiencing someone else's process start to finish. You know, I, I, I have taken something away from that every single time of like, oh, that person or, you know, I, it felt lacking in communication in this way or like they could have held my hand a little more doing this. And I always take those things to my own like photography practice and find them to be really valuable. Yeah. But being on the other side of it. Mm-hmm. I think something that's interesting is you never really see the speakers at conferences at other conferences as students. And I think that's different about us, um, for sure. I mean, I know we all still pay for people to educate us and mentor us and go to conferences. But I was at a conference a year or two ago, and I got approached by so many people who were like, oh, are you, what class are you teaching? I didn't see you on the schedule. And I'm like, no, no, I'm here as a person, like, just like everybody else. And I would love to see more of that. Yeah. I mean, I know we built our conference with the idea that, you know, people who were very well established would want to come. Yeah. I, like what you were saying, Kate, I, 
I spend a ton of money, money on education every year. And it's funny because I will impulse buy a course <laughs> way fast. I am a super tightwad when it comes to my, um, <laughs> when it comes to my equipment, like I will run everything into the ground. It's like, you know, there's sand in it the, on the sensor and like all this stuff. <laughs> and, um, and that's fine with me. Like I will stretch that as long as it will go. But if, you know, if I get it in my head, they're like, Ooh, you know, I want to learn more about this. Um, I'll do the research and very quickly purchase courses, which obviously has sometimes bitten me, um, in the butt, but, uh, <laughs> but I feel Definitely like only more good than harm though. <laughs> way more good than harm. I mean, it's so much like you buy a thing and a, a preset or a, whatever. And it like the novelty wears off and it is what it is. Education. It's like you get that idea and then it starts to bloom in your head and you take it a step further and you explore more and you get hooked up with other people. Like, I feel like that has been one of the main, main line. Uh, I don't know what the word is I'm looking for, but like the things that has really helped me move forward continually in my business. Totally. Yeah. Cool. Well, guys, thank you so much for jumping on here with me. I definitely feel like that was <laughs> better as a conversation than as a monologue. Um, and it's always nice because I feel like the three of us have such a nicely aligned, but also complementary set of experiences and, and feelings about all of this. So hopefully your listeners think so. <laughs> <laughs> Remember when you started this podcast, we were like, we're going to do the three of us are going to be on there all the time. All the time. <laughs> I know. All right. Well, you guys, uh, it is always a pleasure and I will talk to you soon. Same. All right. All right. Thanks. Bye. 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 Well, that's it for this week's episode of This Can't Be That Hard. I'll be back same time, same place next week. In the meantime, you can find more information about this episode along with all the relevant links, notes, and downloads at thiscan'tbethathard.com slash learn. If you like the podcast, be sure to hit the subscribe button. Even better, share the love by leaving a review in iTunes. And as always, thanks so much for joining me. I hope you have a fantastic week.